In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. First of all, accepts the roles that God assigned. God has given us roles as men, and we're to step up and to accept them, just as Christ did. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army. We, we salute, salute you. you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and here with our producer and my good friend Dale Culver. What's going on, buddy? I'm um, getting ready for Christmas. What? Are yeah. you serious? Yeah, man. It's close. Oh, dude. We were playing at Sunday morning music. I'm getting ready for clouds. <laughs> Say, I'm really excited about today's guest. Um, I met him about a couple weeks ago over lunch. And as I stand today, now I may be wrong, but he is the only other guy in the Northwest that I know of that is doing a 100, 100% full-time men's ministry. I don't know of anybody else. I, I haven't met anybody. I'm sure there's some guys out there somewhere, but Robert is one of the only guys out there, uh, at, for sure in the Portland area, Oregon, doing men's ministry full-time, and I'm excited to get him on our show. Uh, before we do that, What's our man word for today? And I think I got it. Oh. I think you're going with strong. Is it strong? It is. So you're so obvious. I did this last night. You're so obvious. It's boring how obvious you are. Oh, except for the last one, wasn't that? Yeah, that was really good. That yeah. was stellar. So Okay, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, just strong. This this guy does a ministry and outreach called Strongman Academy. Uh, and uh, I just thought being a strong man of God instead of a weak sauce man of God or a mediocre man of God, um, just you're putting it all in and you're going for it. So I think that's very important. Yeah. And I've got a real powerful quote out of his book where he talks about that. And so there's some, there's some good stuff in this book. We're going to interview him about a, a book he wrote called strong man of God. And I'm excited about that. Uh, so why don't we just jump on in here and bring my friend in Robert Kelly, Robert, how you doing, my man? Doing fine, Jim. Good to talk to you today. And thanks hey. for having me on your podcast. Hey, thanks for buying my subway a couple weeks ago. Hey, man, it was good. <laughs> yeah, trying to get that meatball sandwich and make it into a salad was a little bit creative, but it worked out nice. <laughs> I wanted the chocolate chip cooking those potato chips. 
<laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, hey Robert, let me uh, introduce you to our our people out there. Robert is sixty two years old. He's married to his beautiful wife Mary. They've been married thirty eight years. In 05, Robert launched Strong Man Ministries to reach men with the gospel and teach them biblical manhood through sports outreach to youth and Strong Men of God rallies to incarcerated men. He is the author of the book, The Strong Man of God, Back to the Basics, which we're going to talk about today. He's also written numerous articles and writes the weekly Strong Man of God blog that has been read by over a million people since its inception. So, Robert, it's great to have you on the show, my man. Uh, thanks for taking the time to share your expertise with us. Well, I'm glad to be with you, and again, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. Hey, can you do me a favor? Uh, in five minutes, uh, just share your story, your background, your history uh, with our listeners so they can get some context. Yeah, I uh, uh, came to Christ in 1977 after living as a typical American male and, and specifically urban male. Uh, trying to sow as many wild oats as I possibly could and uh, wound up uh, being a father at 17. And uh, I had an encounter with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in college uh, where I lost my way. I was going to Howard University at the time and uh, just came to a place of uh, feeling my life was empty without meaning, without purpose. Uh, went to a Easter service, calling myself doing a family member down or a family friend down in Florida a favor by going to Easter service. Came back after the service, tried to lay out all my problems to her, and she said, Bobby, you need Jesus. And uh, we went on uh, with that uh, conversation for quite some time. And then she led me to the Lord on Easter Sunday, 1977. Wow. My life changed dramatically uh, from there. T- took a about 22 months for me to finally come to a place of surrender. But when I did and gave it all over to the Lord, I was uh, all in and uh, have lived for him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength since then. My life hadn't been perfect. I've had afflictions and hardships and difficulties and persecutions and all the stuff that men face. But it is in following after Jesus Christ, who is the strong man of God, that I have come to understand that I can be an overcomer. Man, that's powerful. I love how you say the Jesus who is a strong man of God. I have another friend of yeah. ours, Jeff Voth with um, Cave Time. He calls Jesus the Alpha Omega, the Alpha Male. He's the yeah. Alpha and Omega Male. Yeah, yeah. He he's the big dog for sure, man. Well, you know what's <laughs> you know what's interesting. What's what's and you talk about this in your book. What's interesting is how we portray Jesus, though. We don't portray mm-hmm. him as a strong man of God. Why is that? We, I mean, we portray him as a man of God and the Messiah, but, but why is it that we don't portray a Jesus that men want to follow today? Well, I, I think part of it is because we feminized him, essentially, uh, with the long flowing hair, and uh, he's, uh, uh, we've mistaken his uh, humility uh, as, as a sort of an uh, overdramatic tenderness and femininity uh, that, uh, in fact, is part of being masculine uh, because uh, he's portrayed, for example, in Scripture as the lion and the lamb. Yeah. Uh, the lamb is, is, is humble, meaning approachable. Uh, the lion, though, is uh, this, this roaring uh, king and a fire figure uh, that's powerful. And uh, what we 
seek to do is to help men to understand there's a balance there that uh, that the Lord Jesus perfectly displayed for us uh, as uh, uh, one who, for example, cleared out the temple, uh, yeah. the money changers that were there and uh, uh, ran off all of those guys, overturning tables. I mean, he was on fire. His zeal was on display and his strength at the same time because nobody messed with him. He ran all of those folk out of there and nobody tried to turn and, 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 and fight him and resist him. Uh, that showed that you know he was overpowering in that moment. And yet we see him meek and lowly as a lamb on the way to the, to the cross to suffer and die for our sins. You know what I think is you know what I think is funny, Robert, and you're going to appreciate this as a black American man. Uh, what, yeah. what what's going on with this? A blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. Uh, again, that's a <laughs> that's a that is that is an artist rendering. Yeah, uh, that's Eurocentric, and the uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus is Eurocentric. Uh, it's it's a, a European conception of what. Uh, he looked like to make him easily consumable to the masses of Europeans. But uh, uh, we indicated that he was uh, a Middle Eastern Jew uh, yeah. and his complexion would have reflected that. So it would be just as wrong for you to turn him into a, a, a dark skinned African with an Afro uh, trying to uh, appeal to that uh, particular uh uh, part of mankind. He is what he is. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Take, take him or leave him. Uh, but God, I think for his good purposes, didn't leave us any physical images Yeah, because what he wanted to emphasize the most was what he means to all mankind spiritually. Yeah. And his position as Messiah. Right. Exactly. So, hey, Robert, right. I, I'm really excited about getting into your book. I really enjoyed it. You've got some very, very powerful points in here. And But before I do, I want to throw you into our rapid-fire round. Okay. And, and in that round, I'm, I've pu- pulled words and phrases out of your book that I want you to explain to our audience, okay? Okay. All right, hey, the first word is obvious, uh, and it's the word strong. Yeah, the, uh, the Bible follows the, uh, the Webster's Dictionary definition of strong physically and, but... Uh, it also adds to it and deepens it spiritually, uh, where we see that uh, God has called men to be strong, both physically, meaning not weak or uh, uh, in body strength or spiritual strength, but to be strong in him. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, for example, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So being strong is about uh, being what we typically understand is, is, is the dictionary definition of being robust, healthy, uh, intense, uh, all of those kind of things physically, but also spiritually to be strong in the Lord and the supernatural spiritual uh, abilities that he gives us to be the kind of men that he designed us to be in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Well, and I love how you camped on that definition of strong, and I want to come back to that later. Because I okay. think that was very powerful. So the next phrase, which I've never heard this before, and I, I love your boldness in articulating the truth in this segment. You're dealing with men and women and our differences and our roles. And uh, you had a phrase in there I thought was really interesting. The phrase is rival rulers. Yeah. Uh, today's cultures in, in uh, our, uh, our women as feminists are in rebellion 
against uh, God's uh, design of male-female roles uh, as though somehow there's this rivalry that exists, uh, uh, especially for dominance. But when God uh, created man, uh, he created the man, Adam, first and assigned him the responsibility to lead. Uh, when he went to create the female, he didn't go back to the ground and create another kind of human being that is to stand as a rival against the one he already created, but he reached inside of the man and pulled the woman out. In fact, Adam said she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so uh, she's not to be a rival, but she is to be, as God designed her to be, according to Genesis chapter two, a companion and a helper to her husband. Yeah, I thought that was really good and really, and I also really appreciated, you know, I, I, I've heard women saying, well, we make life. We're the ones that make life. But in your book, you said, but the man initiates the life. And I thought that exactly. was very powerful. Yes, and that, 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 that again is by divine assignment, isn't it? Yeah. Because God is the only one that initiates life. So it's actually uh, 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 an overstatement to say women give life. Actually, uh, they give birth. But <laughs> life originates with God. And that's what makes abortion wrong, too, because life originates with God. The man, uh, through his seed and the woman through her seed, get to participate in his show. Yeah. Life is his show. And so uh, uh, but God has given to the man the particular assignment uh, in his uh, leadership role and responsibility to initiate the process on the physical end of things, uh, because without his seed, there's no conception. Uh, and so powerful is it. Uh, I was teaching some guys last night uh, in the prison that I teach in and we were going through this. We were all marveling again. So thorough is God in this business of man initiating this process and his responsibility involved in that, that even in his seed, uh, it brings the chemical command to the female seed, do your thing as they come together and they begin to multiply, divide. And nine months later, there's another human being. But not only that, but in that chemical command is also through the chromosomes, the, uh, uh, the, the direct and specific a command of that seed to whether it's going to be male or female as a result. Mm. The man carries that authority. Yeah, that's so powerful, man. So I'm going to go back to uh, your definition of strong, which you didn't mention this 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 particular word, but you mentioned it throughout your book, and it, to me it was very powerful. And the word is unbreakable. Yeah, uh, unbreakable. Uh, as in uh, when you're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, as Ephesians 6.10 talks about, uh, no matter what the devil throws at you, no matter what the world throws at you, you can overcome. You don't get into a, a mental and emotional, physical uh, meltdown uh, in the face of crisis because he that is in me, hey, is greater than he that is in the world. And that's the uh -huh. one that's throwing stuff at you. And so Jesus said, for example, in John, uh, the 17th chapter and the 33rd verse, that uh, uh, indeed that uh, we are to be encouraged in the face of the troubles of this world, the tribulations of this world, because they will come. They do come. And by the way, that's uh, John 16, my bad. Uh, and uh, uh, he said, but be encouraged because I have overcome the world. 
And so I'm unbreakable. Throw, you know, I'm not going to be one of these guys who's going to step out there and say, bring it. Yeah, bring it. But because uh, really, none of us really wants to suffer, to be real about yeah. it. Uh, not even the Lord wanted to suffer or what was going on in the garden when he was wrestling and struggling with what was getting ready to come. But he finally submitted to it and endured it. And the same thing with us. We're saying, Lord, if it's got to be, okay. I, you know, I, I trust you that you're going to bring me through this thing. Yeah, and I'm reminded of 1 Timothy 3.12, where Paul writes, for the godly in Christ will be persecuted. So the question for me and you is, why aren't we, or are we? If we are, good. If we aren't, why? And maybe it's because we aren't as strong as we think we are. Okay. I don't and know. That takes us, well, that takes us right to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, where uh, Paul said that uh, he found that he was, in his weakness, uh, strong. Yep. Uh, yeah, Because... Christ said, my grace is sufficient for you. And so, hey, that was that was the end of the story for Paul. Yep, that is a true statement. Hey, so in your book on page 55, you draw a distinction, which we have done with the men in the arena. So, you know, if a guy's up in the bleachers refusing to engage, anonymous and disengaged, aloof from those things that God has called him to care about, we call that guy a male. Mm-hmm. And then the guy that gets in the arena starts, you know, doing manly things, doing masculine things. We call that guy a man. And on page 55, you it seems like you were going that route. I'm not sure if you were, but I'm going to ask you to def- you, you talk about the Christian male versus the strong man in a sentence. Can you unpack okay. that? Yeah, uh, on that page, we're, we're moving toward this uh, a place of, of being completely sold out to Christ. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the typical Christian male in the local church is very passive, very uh, just uh, kind of routinely going about his tasks. And uh, there's no passion. There's no zeal. There's no uh, full commitment. And, of course, that stands true of those who are not in Christ at all. And so you can, you can be a male uh, without being a strong man of God. You can be a Christian man and male without being a strong man of God because you're not uh, pursuing his strength to please him and do his will. You're, you're kind of doing the religious thing, which has uh, been killing men for centuries in the local church uh, because there's, there's what religion demands of you and then there's what Christ demands of you and the two don't always mix. <laughs> well, the two are not always the same. Yeah, and that's true. You know, today's uh, podcast title is going to be taking, you know, do you pass the test of strong manhood? You know, do you pass this test? There's a test. You said earlier in the podcast that before you were a Christian, you were, and I quote, a typical urban male. Mm -hmm. You just now said, quote, typical Christian male. And I've mm-hmm. got to wonder, I've got to wonder, Robert, if the typical urban male or the typical rural male or the typical suburban male, if the typical whatever male and the typical Christian male, if they're living life the same. Is there a distinction there or no? Well, that's that's powerful. You, you've caused me to give some some pause and thought to that. <laughs> and uh, and that's a good question. Um, uh of course, biblically speaking, there is a, a, a difference uh, between the typical uh, urban male as one who's unsaved uh, versus one who's, who's professing to have a relationship with Christ. 
Uh, so uh, I would definitely make that distinction first. But then after you get into the local church, sadly, tragically, there's this uh, typical Christian male in our churches that uh, is pretty laid back in terms of uh, pursuing with a passion a, re a relationship with Christ and doing the will of Christ, living on purpose to please him and do his will. And uh, that is unacceptable. I uh, uh, insist in my book from the scripture uh, because Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That doesn't sound like somebody just sitting in a pew chilling on Sunday morning. That's not typical quote, right? <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Well, so you know, that's in, why, well, so, yeah, that brings me back to this typical thing. Uh, in your book, you wrote something that just it kind of took my breath away. Uh, I, we all know that 40 percent of babies nowadays are born out of wedlock. But you and your book said 70% of, of black American babies are born out of wedlock. That yes. was incredibly alarming to me, and I did not know that. So it's yes, it's much higher than Caucasian. Yes, and there are a lot of uh, psychological and sociological uh, yeah. uh, reasons behind that. But let me be clear, I do not defend sin, uh, but I do understand in certain cir circumstances and situations uh, where you have this breakdown in the, the in in the black community with our our families because our men are missing uh, by way of, of being in prison incarcerated I mean we're talking uh, a healthy chunk of the prison population in America is black American men uh, that's that's a serious crisis yeah uh, and then the then the other uh, part of that is many are in the grade can't do anything about that. Others are absent because of the uh, loosening morals of our society. You can shack. Uh, you, you don't have to get married. You don't have to make a commitment. Uh, uh, you can father children and not take responsibility for them. The state will take care of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, uh, but worse of all, we have lost our moral mandate across the board in America. Uh, about what a man is and what a man does because we've, we've gone into rebellion against God on all of those issues about roles, responsibilities uh, in the order of mankind. And so in, in, in my community, it's even worse because uh, unfortunately, we're, we're still trying to find our way after slavery, still trying to find our way after all of the experiences of Jim Crow segregation and everything that went down in the 60s. And uh, once we started pulling the plug out from what was some sense of, of moral stability, uh, spiritual stability, and turning away from Christ, uh, then, uh, you know, all bets were off. And so now we're like, you know, uh, uh, like I was doing in my teen years uh, as a man on the prowl, a predator, uh, just looking for the next conquest. Mm -hmm. And if she gets pregnant in the process, oh, well, there's two options. You can have the baby. I'm not going to have any responsibility or you can abort it. I don't care. I'm just about me. It's just about what I yeah. what my sexual gratification needs are. And of course, that is completely immoral. But not only that, completely and entirely irresponsible. Well, another thing, when I go back to typical, this typical quote, 
you know, the divorce rate in the church is essentially the same as out of the church, which yes. which tells me that we have a lot of males or Christian guys in the church today that aren't, as you would say, sold out at all. Oh, absolutely. They're literally fact, they're literally in the bleachers. They're in the bleachers, yes. and they're not getting in the game. And so, um, so, so this goes back. You, you had mentioned roles. This goes back to the roles that men have not accepted their roles. And we're going to talk about this in in detail later on in the podcast. But uh, one of the roles that you talk about, you have uh, two roles mixed into the same role category. And I just want you to unpack it for our guys real quick. And I totally get, I thought it was really wise that you put it there, but husband or celibate. So part of this rapid fire round, how are those different? Yeah. uh, Again, uh, God created us with purpose. And uh, he tells uh, us in the very beginning that uh, he created the male and female, and then he told them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And so uh, with God, he didn't mean being an irresponsible man going around fathering children wherever you like, but always within the context of marriage. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's going to be a, a husband on purpose who's married, uh, who becomes a father. That's God's program. Uh, We've broken from that, but that's his program. It still stands. Get married. Uh, A man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife. The two shall become one. In the context of the two becoming one, they add to their family on purpose. Uh, And this is a good thing. And this is blessed of the Lord. The celibate, however, God has picked off for himself uh, a few men. and, And let me let me say it. Uh, better, a relative few men throughout history that he has called to be completely devoted to him, completely consecrated to him. Jesus addressed that in Matthew 19 when the disciples was getting upset because of his uh, conditions that he put on divorce. They found him very limiting the same way, no surprise, people do today. (laughs) So they said, well, it's better for a man not to get married at all if it's all like that. You can't get a divorce if you don't like her cooking no more or anything like that. What's (laughs) up with that? Uh, So Jesus said, well, in effect, uh, you're right. Uh, And so there there is another option, but that option comes only at the call of God, and that is to be a celibate. And uh, to be totally consecrated and devoted to the Lord, never having uh, sex, uh, never getting married, uh, and being completely devoted in that way to the Lord. Only a relative few throughout history God is called to do that. In the Old Testament, they're called eunuchs, and we call them uh, today celibates. uh, And God calls those men. And I stress that God calls those men, not the church, not as a part of a church program. Uh, or policy of how they call their leadership and all of that. I want to be careful. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to throw stones at anybody. But I'm just saying one of the reasons that we're having a lot of failure in our churches today uh, with regard to men who are supposed to be celibate is because it's very likely they weren't called by God and equipped by God to be celibate uh, because that is a serious commitment. I mean, that's a serious fight in back of the hormones. So we're talking about Jesus Christ, of course, being a celibate. The Apostle Paul very likely being a celibate, and uh, there, you know, the names are very few uh, as you look at the New and the Old Testament. And I would say called and you called it equipped. I would call it gifted. 
the gift of yeah. singleness, the gift of celibacy. And I would, and I would add this, and I know this would, this is going to stir some people up. When I look at uh, this, this movement, the homosexual movement, it, to me, it always comes back to, do you love Jesus? If you love mm-hmm. Jesus and you're attracted to the same sex, and if you are deeply devoted to Jesus, then I would say God is calling you to a life of celibacy because homosexuality is not something you are, it's something you do. And right. so I would exactly ask right. that person, well, how, do you love the Lord? Or are you going to be obedient? Because I know for me, I, I mean, I would love to be able to go have sex with different women, but I love right. Jesus. So I've been true to the same woman for three decades. And so Amen. I think about that, but I want to jump into your book because uh, you've got some really powerful stuff in your book, and I want to, I want to, I want to make sure we get to this. On page fifteen in your book, you you started off by writing this: "In this present hour, there is much confusion about what a man is." And then I'm going to skip over to page eighteen where you said it is time to confess that the attempts to redefine men and women and their roles have been a ruinous failure. I love yes. that. I couldn't yes. agree more. And then on page Praise 17, you confessed your own misgivings as a father when you were younger. So how how do we as a society, how do we as men begin to turn the tides? Yeah, it's, it's got to begin with uh, repentance. And repentance is uh, always follows confession. Uh, we have to come to a place to, to look out at, at the destruction. I mean, I, I mean, I don't mean any harm uh, with regard to talking about what's happened with the recent hurricanes and the devastation that they've done. But you can't look at that devastation on uh, Puerto Rico and on the Bahamas and look at that and say, uh, gee, there, there obviously wasn't too bad of a event that took place here. No, it was a horrible event that took place here. And we have to look out on our society and see the broken families, the uh, ruined children who are lost and confused. How can you come up with 20 different genders? Uh, (laughs) The body, there's only either you have a male organ or you have a female organ. And that that determines what your gender is. All of this confusion, all of this madness is... Uh, I believe, contributing not only to some of the more obvious family issues we've been talking about, uh, but also some of the uh, disgruntlement that exists in our society today to such an extent that uh, we have our our, our mostly uh, men going into our schools, shooting up our schools, and uh, the breakdown in the workplace, guys going back with a gun. I mean, you can't get fired anymore or fire someone. You'd be scared to fire someone. They might come back and try to kill you for it. Yeah. Uh, and so all of this is happening as, as, as uh, we play, as it were, tiny little gods as social scientists experimenting with what we want to do away from what God already laid out for us to do. And we're wondering why it's wreaking such devastation. No, that's powerful. You, you talked about Hurricane Dorian that just happened a couple weeks ago now. I saw something really interesting, Robert. I don't know if you know this, if you saw this as well. But when the news was shooting their uh, their uh, spots with these uh, people, they're looking. They were interviewing the people that were rescuing all of those victims who were stranded or lost, and one hundred percent of the rescuers were men. Uh huh. You, you won't. They won't give credit to the men, but they were men. And so, on page seventeen through twenty four about your in your book, you talk about the differences. 
between men and women in their roles. Now, I'm not bad-mouthing women. I don't think women were like, heck no, I'm not going out there. I just think men are wired by God with this die to, this hill to die on mentality and when somebody needs to be rescued men are natural rescuers and want to and thrive in a world where they may not come back and so uh yeah. so in your book you talk about this and so my question to you Robert is how has god made men different in form physically and in function based on roles than women yeah that's a good question. And may I just uh, uh, just affirm you in that observation? I, I saw the very same thing all the way back to Katrina and, and before. I'm looking at this, all, you know, whenever these floods happen and I'm going, look at all these men. They just come out of nowhere. And it's like almost instinctive. And why? Because God has wired us this way. We are made in his image and likeness. And who is the greatest rescuer of all if it isn't God himself? Mm. And he has put that. Uh, a mentality in us, because even though we are to be rulers and governors, as rulers and governors in his image and likeness, we care about those that we govern. We care about those that we rule. And uh, in men, therefore, there is this uh, in our uh, brain wiring, in our hormones, such as testosterone, that, that not only drives us uh, to be risk takers, and to want to be builders and conquerors and have sex, but uh, 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 drives us physically uh, to forget about ourselves in times of crisis. Uh, and we want to step in there and take the bullet. Uh, we want to step in there and defend the weak. We want to step in there and and uh, uh, make sure that people that are hurting and suffering in a, in a certain situation are taken care of. And so I, it is no surprise to me, none whatsoever, that men step up in times of disaster and crisis and are on the front lines ready to, to be mowed down, if that's what it takes, uh, to rescue the weak and the defenseless. And uh, it's all in the way that God made us in his image and likeness and wired us in our bodies with the hormones and, and, and even in our brain uh, uh, moving toward reason and logic that uh, uh, we see stuff and we want to fix it. That, that you know, no mystery there. Why men always want to fix stuff? Because we're wired that way. We see the we see the logical design and stuff. Oh, it's broke right there. Okay, let's fix it. And th and that that's us as men. Uh, naturally speaking, un unless we enter into times that we have now, uh, where uh, people are trying to confuse us about what we're all about, trying to call us toxic. Uh, trying to say that our natural reflexes as men is somehow, uh, you know, uh, unnatural and negative when nothing could be further from the truth. Well, and like I've said over and over again, I'm, I'm, I've got a book. I'm changing the title to "Non-Toxic Masculinity" <laughs> because masculinity, by definition, is never toxic. It's, it's right. male, male typical male behavior that is toxic. And so, hey, we're going to take a 30, uh, just a 30-second break here and hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back at you. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group 
today. Because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast, including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots on the ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So I love what you're saying, Robert. You talk about men stepping up to help those suffering. And you also said that men uh, uh, want to rescue the weak and defenseless. I think that these are uh, crises, these critical incidences bring out the best in a man. They, they bring out uh, the strength in a man. And I loved your definition of strong. On page 29 of your book, uh, and I'm going to read it, but I want you to tell me the one that's missing, the element of strength that's missing the most uh, with men of our uh, of our society today. So page 29, you, you, you define <laughs> strong as, quote, physically powerful, Robust, healthy, difficult to break, durable, and intense. So which of those is missing the most with men that you want to see strong but are weak? Uh, it would definitely have to be uh, being difficult to break, durable, and intense. Those three. Uh, because otherwise, you know, guys are out there being physically powerful. They're lifting weights and they're in the gym and they're, you know, uh, playing sports and doing all the things that men typically do in a physical uh, way. But uh, uh, too many men turn away from challenges today. It used to be that men saw, uh, saw challenges as something they welcomed uh, and they, they got after it. But now uh, they turn away uh, because uh, it's not acceptable in a more feminized culture for men to instinctively do what they do. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. take that away from them. It's like, okay, what do we do? You know, and, and uh, they can do whatever they want say and say whatever they want to say about uh, men uh, being more feminine, feminine and what they, uh, how they think and, and uh, how they express their feelings and all that sort of thing. But um, a man is a man as God designed him and he's supposed to be, a, a strong uh, in adversity. So uh, you would disagree then with the worship. There's a worship song out there. It's very popular right now. Uh, that the lyrics of that song are one of the, the which I refuse to sing. By the way, I refuse to sing okay. this part of the song. Beautiful song, but this part I refuse to sing. The weak will lead the strong. I don't see that in Scripture. I see God turning the weak into strong, mm -hmm. but I don't think the weak ever lead the strong. I think the strong rescue the weak. And God mm -hmm. rescues the weak and makes them strong. Gideon, i.e., Gideon in Judges six. Uh, you yes. wrote, uh, and I wrote in in the margins of your book on page thirty. I could show it right to you right now. I wrote in the margins of your book, this: weak men can't serve God in a strong way. On page fifty three, you wrote, and I think you would agree with me. Tragically, far too many men in churches have yet to answer God's call. So why then, Robert, is it, are so many men, why do they choose anonymity 
of the bleachers in the churches instead of playing an active role in the arena? Why is it that that men are choosing the pathway of weakness over biblical strength? Because it's not demanded of them. Because it's no longer expected of them. (laughs) They're supposed to act more like women than like they were designed by God. So if you don't demand it, you don't expect it, you don't do it. And if you're slapped on the hand, like when you was a, a little kid and told don't do it, when, when you do step up, uh, then uh, you shy away from seeking to step up any anymore. So uh, we have pastors uh, throughout this country, tragically and sadly, that because the women are more dutiful, more willing to, uh, at, at the drop of a hat, to do what they asked them to do and uh, in, in, in the typical re- religious activities of the church and the men are, are a little bit more unavailable. Uh, they push the women up, they push the men down. And so it's not expected of them. And that's why they don't step up. I, I love the conviction. that I, It's like I turned a switch on just now with you, this conviction. Oh, yes. And see, I believe it. So we believe with all of our heart here at the Men of the Arena that when a man gets it, Everyone wins. And we believe that was yeah. such a passion because you look at the Hurricane Dorian, you look at the Titanic, you look at uh, Katrina. When when crises come, men will step up if yes. somebody or something demands it. Yes. Men will step up, which leads to the big question, and this is really the test of strong manhood. I want our guys to take this test. What is a strong man of God, what does he look like? What characteristics does he possess? And thankfully you give us those on page 60. All right. <laughs> and you and you and I want you to walk us through these because you have a four characteristics you list. And when I read this part, Robert, what I started doing, I started asking this question. Jim, do you do you have this characteristic? Do you have this characteristic? Okay. Now I got to tell you, I was pretty proud of myself. I think I, I think I got a hundred percent on this test. But realize yeah. it's a four question test. If you miss one, you're a C minus dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I want to, I want, will you walk us through those four characteristics of a, a strong man of God and why you chose them? Yeah, uh, l- let me let me qualify and say that again, uh, we're aspiring to be strong men of God in the image of Jesus Christ. So we may not measure up uh, to all four of these at any given moment, but the uh, intent of the Lord is that we aspire. Aspire what? To be like him. So every one of these he displayed. He, first of all, accepts the roles that God assigns. God has given us roles as men and we're to step up and to accept them just as Christ did. And then we are to, uh, secondly, uh, be willing to obey God to the death. I love that part. Yeah, man. To the death, baby. To the death, the same as Christ. And let me be clear that to the death here is not just physical death, as in your life being threatened because you stand for Jesus, but this is death to self to do God's will when you don't want to do it. Yep. yep. Uh, when when mama wants you to do something you don't want to do, uh, serving your wife 
is being willing to die to self. So this is both spiritual and physical uh, when it comes to denying yourself, as Jesus said, taking up your cross and following him. And then thirdly, it's being willing to rely on God for everything. And this is what uh, gets us in trouble as being, and I'll go back to something you said, typical Christian men. Yeah. Uh, because we come out of that world where the world tells us a man is one who can handle his business, who can, who, who in pride can do whatever he sets his mind to do. And he don't really need anyone or anything, including God, to help him. Uh, and of course, uh, God begs the differ who created us to depend upon him, to rely upon him. We are to God as the uh, battery is to Energizer Bunny. If the Energizer Bunny doesn't have his battery in, he can't beat his little drum. And we can't uh, experience the optimum of God's design for us as men, even in a fallen state, because, you know, he factors that in that we're fallen, but even in a fallen state, uh, uh, we can't even get close to optimum of what he wants us to be unless we're willing to depend upon him. And so this speaks to faith, doesn't it? It speaks to trust. It, it speaks to being confident in God and being willing to say, Lord, no, I don't got this, but you do. And so with your help and in your strength and in your power, I can do this. And so I'm going to trust you uh, for being the best uh, son of God that I can be, for being the best disciple of Christ that I can be, for being the best husband and father that I can be. Then finally, uh, the fourth thing is the uh, strong man of God uh, seeks to trust God for vindication. And again, this mm. hits us right where our natural pride is in the flesh. Uh, because when somebody uh, mistreats us or somebody does us wrong, our natural sinful reflex is to handle our business and yeah. to, 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 to deal out punishment and retribution to those who have offended us or hurt us in some way. And uh, uh, the Lord calls us to walk in the image of Christ who trusted his father to vindicate his suffering, to vindicate his life. And of course, the first way the father did that is after he died on the cross on the third day, he raised him from the dead. I don't know about you, but to me, that speaks vindication mm. to, for all that he suffered. And when he comes back at his second coming, though, that's when he'll finish it. Oh! <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, you've said a couple times throughout the course of this podcast that men aspire to these things. Yeah. And so I wrote down the word to aspire to it. I need to surrender to aspire. Absolutely. So if I'm Absolutely. not willing to surrender, I'm not willing to aspire. And then I wrote based on what you just now said, trust. I need to trust that God's intentions for me, because he created me, he knows me, he is my creator, I need to trust the fact that he knows what he's doing, I need to surrender. I think Christianity, Robert, you and I, we work with men, man, it is so simple. Yeah. Yes. Christianity, don't make it, don't, don't get all weird with Christianity, it's simple. Trust the God who created you, surrender your life to him, and aspire to be the God, that the man that God has called you to be. It's so yeah. simple. I mean, the message yeah. is so simple. But uh, And I love what you said, man. I'm going to repeat this, guys. I want you to take the test of a strong man of God. Do you, one, 
accept the roles God assigns, two, obey God to the death. Now, I got to tell you, Robert, I just gave myself half credit on that. The whole do what my wife says, even if I don't want to, I gave myself a, I gave myself a minus 10 points on there. So uh, I've got to confess that. Number three, do you rely on God in everything? And number four, do you trust God for vindication? So I scored a 90 on that. Okay. I'm giving myself an A minus. If my wife was here, she might give me a B plus. So, right. so, but Very that's good. okay. So guys take the test. Now you said on page 60, you said we need to accept our roles, these roles that God assigns. And so what I want to do is I want to move down through your book where you list seven roles. So we we've looked at these four distinctives, this, these four characteristics, uh, you know, uh, and the first of these four is accepting our roles. And so there are seven roles God gives us and to reject any one of these seven is really to be less than the strong man of God that he wants us to be based on what you're saying in your book. And so yes. uh, you wrote that these roles are, quote, functional, positional, or both. And then you mm-hmm. also wrote, Robert, that four, and I'm saying this to you, I know you already know this, but I'm saying it to you so our readers are understanding uh, what I'm yeah. reading here. Four of these roles are eternal and three are temporary. So let's look at these God-given roles for the strong man of God. Will you walk us through the the four eternal roles? And they are son of God, which is our identity, disciple of Christ, uh, and then uh, servant of God and servant of humanity. Will you walk us through those? Yes. Uh, very importantly, uh, the Lord uh, has willed that we should be made over into the image of his son, Jesus the Christ. And uh, as Jesus is the son of God, we've been adopted into the family of God as sons. And with the same heart and mentality of Christ to please his father and everything, so we live on purpose to please God and do his will as sons. We cry out, Abba, Father, we love you. And in that love, we want to please you. We want to do your will. This is where biblical Christianity takes far off far and away from man-made religion, because this is not about keeping rules, uh, you know, to try to be this this uh, religious person. This is about loving my father so much I want to please him. And every guy that's had a dad uh, and, and grew up with his dad knows something about that feeling of wanting to please your papa. You want to, you love the guy. Yeah, man, you, you, you worship the ground he walks on because you don't know any better as a kid. Uh, and then as, as you uh, uh, become a Christian, you, you come to understand, oh, this, is, this was preparation for me to do this with God because I am supposed to worship him. And I do worship the ground he walks on. I love him. And so you want to uh, uh, please him out of that motive. And then as a disciple of Christ, he is our role model in everything. He's, he purposely set the example of what a son does and what a son is and what a man is and what a man does. And uh, we line up behind him and follow him and seek to imitate his example. Amen? Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. And you wrote in your book something very powerful, and I've got to quote you. You said, under Disciple of Christ, so many professed Christian men live as if the Lord didn't really mean what he said. Right. It's true, man. <laughs> it, is it is true. so true. That's the typical Christian man, right? Quote, Exactly yeah. right. Oh, he didn't exactly really mean right. it. That's not for me. That was a parable. That didn't really happen. That's not right. for me. I don't have to do that. I'm under grace. 
okay, now, now see, now that's another conversation. <laughs> I know. Sorry, sorry, but, sorry. Know, Go on to number three, servant of God. Okay, but I just <laughs> want to say this. That's one of the reasons that we are messing up everything because we're going back and saying that was for then. Yes, yes, yes. And, and there's no obligation to really do it now. Yeah, those 39, uh, those 39 books of the Old Testament. No, 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 we're under the 27. Exactly. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure we're under all 66. <laughs> I think so, brother. The spiritual truths transcend time, right? Yep. Uh, hey, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> all right, baby. Uh, so the uh, the third uh, eternal role, and again, these are eternal because we're we're living them here and now in our mortal lives, but uh, we're going to be sons of God forever. Yeah. We're going to be disciples of Christ and lined up behind him forever. He's always going to be the king. King of kings, to be sure, but he's the king. And then servant of God, we as uh, uh, servants are duty-bound first and foremost to do what our papa wants us to do. We serve at his pleasure. We want to do his will. And that's going to be forever. And then uh, we're servants of fellow man, of fellow humanity, because, uh, again, uh, we're taught that we're to love our neighbors ourselves. And so out of that motive of love, first love for God, we serve him. Love for neighbor, we serve our fellow man. Uh, and so it's about how do we meet your needs? And again, this is where for Christian men, uh, besides that natural reflex to rescue, comes the supernatural spiritual reflex to rescue uh, because uh, some of us are even gifted to be helpers, gifted to be servants. Um, uh, but that doesn't let the rest of us off the hook. We still are called to be willing to serve others. What I really thought was powerful in number four, uh, as far as the eternal role, you called, you said we are a servant of humanity. You didn't say we are servants of the church, which, oh, which, boy. which, which, when I'm serving in the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter who I'm serving. If I'm not serving in the church, but I'm serving in the name of Jesus to build God's kingdom, that's still serving humanity. And I think there was an old school mentality that said, if mm -hmm. you aren't serving in the church, you're not serving God. And that's just a lie that needs it to is. be dispelled, right? Because you work with, part of your ministry is you work with athletic uh, kids in sports yes. and in prisons. Neither of those yeah. are what you would call a church, but those are right. vibrant ministries. Exactly. And, and, and the point that you're making is so powerful, especially that since uh, we're in these latter days, I can't stress enough, Jim, that all of the old uh, ideas about what church is and what, what we do in the church, which are basically religious, they're not biblical, uh, are going to come crumbling down. If you teach a man that his life is, uh, ends and begins only in the local church setting, you are setting him up for failure when that's taken away from him. Look yeah. at our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted, uh, run out of town virtually, living in forests, living in refugee camps all over the world uh, because they made a decision to follow Christ. Yeah. Are you telling me that they're less than a Christian because they can't go to church every Sunday? Mm -hmm. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying, man. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. So, so these are the eternal roles, but now we have earthly roles we need to fulfill as well. And you list those. We talked about the first one pretty earlier in this in the podcast. The first one is husband or father, celibate. The second one is father. The third is son of parents. Will you walk yes. us through these three earthly roles that the strong man of God lives under? 
Yeah, the, uh, uh, again, we, you're right. We talked uh, quite a bit already about uh, being a husband. Uh, so if you haven't been called to be a husband, uh, then you're to be a celibate. If you haven't been called to be a celibate, you're to be a husband. So you're supposed to be looking for a wife if you've been called to be a husband. Uh, and that's where that whole dating thing in our modern times uh, comes to serve. But, you know, biblically speaking, uh, you know, that uh, uh, wife could be the girl next door. I mean, it's not like you have to go through 10,000 girls to, to finally pick one. Uh, you want the one that God has picked for you. Mm. And if she's right next door, then that's your wife. Amen. Uh, because your mandate is to leave your father and mother's house on purpose with the intent that you're looking for a wife and you're going to uh, uh, get the wife that God has for you. You initiate, here's another initiator for men. They're trying to remove that too, but <laughs> God says a man shall leave, come on now. Yeah, a man right. shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, meaning that he's going to go initiate the relationship of marriage by proposing to her and if she accepts, they become married and they start a family and a household. Well, together. you have a whole section in your book that we're not going to get to today called On Strong Women of God. And what I would say to strong women is keep your legs okay. closed, keep your mouth shut, or as far as you don't have to pursue him. Don't, you know, right. I'm not telling women to be quiet. I'm saying let him come to you. You right. are worth it. You are worthy. There's a strength that drives right. a man insane with a woman who wants to be pursued and does not pursue the man. So right. if you are a single woman listening, you are worthy. Don't don't sink to the weak woman level. Be a strong woman of God and let that man pursue you because you're worth it. So, okay. Amen. So he's a father or celibate and again we we've, we've covered that that God calls you to do that. If he doesn't call you to do that, by default you're to be a husband and not a single man out there trying to populate the earth through your uh, prom 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 promiscuity. There you go. Um, and then uh, the other one is a son of your parents. And this is very important in the times that we live in uh, where uh, men are refusing responsibility to take care of their parents when they reach an age where they can't take care of themselves. The Bible expects you to honor your father and your mother. And, and part of that is not just respect, but taking care of them. And so when you're young in the home, you, uh, you respect them, you honor them, you obey them. When you get out on your own, uh, there comes a point in time where you, as a son of your parent, uh, when they can no longer take care of themselves, you take care of them. In other words, God has set it up where the parents take care of you, bringing you into the world while you're uh, a child in the home. And then when you become grown, then when they reach a stage where they can't take care of themselves, either through illness or become widows or whatever, you take care of them. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love in our community, we have a real strong uh, Mexican community. And mm -hmm. I just love the extended family. And I think the Caucasian community, we've just blown that big time. And uh, we can learn something there. And so I really appreciate that. So we just have a couple minutes left, Robert. And I want to okay. move into something I think is really important to talk about that's in your book. And it happens on page 90. So we just talked about the various roles, these seven roles, four eternal roles, three temporary or earthly roles. And now we have uh, responsibilities of the strong man of God. So there's mm -hmm. a, a, a role is something of a, a, a mantle that we carry 
but a, a responsibility is something that we do. So we have what yes. a man does versus who a man is. And so can you walk us through these roles? And I, I thought these were very powerful. I'm in the process of writing a five new curriculum books. And man, okay. you just hit the nail on the head with these. In fact, I'm qu- going to quote you in my books from your book. And so I, I thought these were really good. Hey, let's walk through those four responsibilities of a strong man of God. Uh, the first one is to lead. The second one is to teach. The third one is to provide. And the fourth one is to protect. All of these th- uh, four responsibilities are in the image and likeness of God who modeled those four responsibilities to Adam in the garden. Yeah. God uh, led him in the garden. God uh taught him in the garden what his role and, and, and responsibilities were to be. Uh, he also provided for him that garden was full of food and he protected him. He, and, and in fact, his uh, telling him not to eat from a certain tree uh, was part of that protection as well, because he was protecting him from, di- uh, from disobedience and sin. And so we fathers and husbands have that responsibility in our home, uh, in our society today, uh, even though even this is being changed, but uh, men still focus on providing as their primary responsibility. But it's more than that, sir. Uh, God has called us to lead. That means that you lead out. You don't just send your family to church. You lead them to church. You take them to church and you lead family devotion at home. You lead by example and not just precept either. You can't tell them, do as I say, not as I do. That's an old school approach. Yeah, that's <laughs> that true. That's wrong. Yep. Uh, and then uh, you teach them the word of God. They need to see Papa opening that Bible and, and teaching from it and then protect. That doesn't mean uh, having a 357 under your pillow. It means <laughs> that you have a first order of responsibility to protect the spiritual environment of your home. So if you're buying your kids video games uh, uh, that are uh, overly violent, uh, and that are promoting violence, uh, how can you, you know, be protecting their minds uh, from being saturated with worldly ideas and things? You're responsible for that. you got to protect them from that, as well as be willing to take the bullet uh, when an intruder gets in your home and he's not supposed to be there. You stand up and you uh, stand in the place of your family. That's historic and biblical manhood. Just like Jesus stood up for us and went to the cross. Yep. Well, it's funny. These five books I'm writing, we've already finished the first one. That it is man, the protector, defender. The mm-hmm. second book is fighter, provider. Mm-hmm. The third book is pursuer, builder. Fourth book is leader, sacrificer. Fifth book is finisher, conqueror. So four, mm-hmm. four, all four are part of your four. So I love it Amen. when you get guys with like-minded uh, attitudes and ideas together, because if we're Amen. following the Holy Spirit and if we're obeying the Bible, there's nothing true that is new and there's nothing new that is true. And so I, right. I, I love it, man. So, hey, Robert, thanks so much. We're over time here. And uh, thank you so much for coming on our show and uh, sharing your book. How can guys get a copy of your book, man? Uh, they can get it at Amazon uh, or uh, Barnes & Noble, any of the major internet outlets, uh, they can download it. Uh, it is an ebook at uh, Apple. Uh, and of course, they can go to our website, thestrongmanofgod.org, and uh, purchase it through our strongman store. 
Man, thanks so much. Hey, guys, so you're wondering, okay, what are my boots on the ground? What action items are you going to give us today, Jim? What what do you want us to do? Well, here's what I want you to do. This is really simple. I just want you to take the test. We've already asked you to take the test. Hopefully you've already done it. But four things, 25 points a question. I took half off on one of mine. Uh, do you pass the test of being a strong man of God? Or, to help, to quote my friend Robert, do you aspire to do so. Number one, do you accept the roles God assigns? Obey. Number two, do you obey God to the death? Number three, do you rely on God for everything? And number four, do you trust God for vindication? Guys, we'll also post uh, this uh, action item on our equipping blast that you can receive by going to our website at menthearena.org and subscribing to it. And when you do, we'll give you a free copy of my electronic bathroom book for men. You'll love this book, guys. And make sure you head on over to one of our forums, either on our website or on Facebook, and uh, get involved in that. And we've got a bunch of virtual teams launching with men from all over the country and beyond in the months of September and October. Well, we're out of September, October and November. And so make sure you guys do that. Guys, we are a crown-funded organization. We exist to inspire you to become your best version. If you want to partner with us, uh, you can go and check that out, menandarena.org, and help us to get our resources to men all around the country and our free resources to men who are in active military, missionaries and men in underdeveloped nations. Until next time, guys, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Taste the sweetness of victory. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Be a strong man of God. Grind it out. And be a man. Equipping men in 10 from Men in the Arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us with thousands of men from around the world in one of our Men in the Arena forums. Join the forums on either Facebook or on the website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. Thank you for listening to this episode of Equipping Men in 10 from Men in the Arena. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.